0: All right, let's look at Hebrews 4, verse 1. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Right before this in verse 3, we're not going to take time to go back and read it, but the writer of Hebrews is talking about how the Israelites... uh, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, and they, they did not believe God to go in to the promised land. They could have gone in, you know, uh, right at the beginning, and they wouldn't believe God. God told them that this, this land is there for them, that this land is flowing with milk and honey. You know, they sent spies into the land to check it out. And... Um, the spies came back and, you know, we're not going to take time to go through the whole uh, account, you know, to read it or anything, but um, the spies came back and, and ten of them had what the Bible calls an evil report and two of them had a good report, Joshua and Caleb, but even though God told them that they could take it, uh, the majority of them said, we can't, it's too hard, it's too big. We can't do it, and they got all the people to agree with them. Joshua and Caleb tried to quiet them down, tried to get them to believe God, because that's what God said. God said, you can take the land, you can go in. But they refused, and they just got all uh, wound up, and they wouldn't believe God. So they were not able to go into the promised land. And so that's what this is referring to here. In verse 1, this is right after he's referring back to that in chapter 3, and of course all that account is in the the Old Testament. But it says, verse verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard, talking about the Israelites, talking about the ones that heard, What God had said, there's a a land you can go into, I've provided everything for you. That word that they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as He has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world... For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this place they shall not enter my rest. We'll go ahead and read uh, through this. We're going to be getting down to like verse 11, but let's read 6 and 7 and 8. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, talking about the rest, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from His. So this is talking about uh, a rest that God had for His people. He told them, you can go into the promised land. They didn't listen, so they didn't enter in the rest. And it says it's because of disobedience. They, they didn't look at, at God. They didn't look at what He had said. But they could have. They chose not to. Verse 11 then, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Everything we just referred to lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now let's go back to verse 11. I want you to notice a few things here. So the Bible says the Old Testament examples, or the, the accounts in the Old Testament are given to us as examples. We're supposed to learn from them. We're supposed to see what happened. And so that's, this is all referring back to these people that, had God's word in front of them, they, that they could go in the promised land, that He would take care of them, that they could overcome all the obstacles in front of them. Even though they were giants, even though they were fortified cities, God said you could take it. And they chose not to believe that. So they didn't enter into the rest of God. Now I want you to notice verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Verse 12. Now notice this. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent, uh, intents of the heart. The Word of God, so this is in this context. That's where this scripture uh, sits in the Bible, is in the middle of talking about entering into rest. Look at verse 12. For the Word, he says, for the Word. He just got done saying, let us therefore enter the rest, and not be like the people that disobeyed. And he said, for the Word of God is living and powerful. And sharper than any two edged sword, it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit. And of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You can leave that slide up. The first, uh, verse, the first part of verse 12. So notice it says, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword or any two-edged sword it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit the word will cut through all the clutter that may try to get you off of what god has for you and the rest he wants you to enter the word will cut through what is just you and what are thoughts and what is truly your heart and is lined up with the Spirit of God. The Word of God is living and powerful. The Word of God and focusing on His Word is how we are going to be able to rest, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what obstacles we have, regardless of what giants are ahead of us, regardless of what situations we face, The way we're going to overcome is by focusing on the Word and keeping our attention on the Word and how we going to know what is true, what is not. We talked about that uh, a week and a half ago. But how are we going to discern and cut through noise? It's going to be by the Word. It's going to be by focusing on the Word. The way we're going to go in To what God has for us, to be at rest, to be in the place He he has prepared, to enjoy what He has uh, provided, is going to be by His Word. Notice verse 13, it says, And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of of Him to to whom we must give account. God knows everything. He sees everything. He knows everything uh, that's in front of us. He knows what we need to do. He knows what He's prepared for us. The way we're going to cooperate with Him is focusing on what He said and letting that dictate our path, dictate our thoughts, get rid of any thoughts that aren't His, hook up with our heart so that we can walk in faith. So that we can walk in truth, so that we can walk uh, lined up with what he has said. Uh, Verse 12 in the NIV says, For the the word of God is alive and active. You have the NIV? The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word will show up what is true and false, what is religion and what is true Bible. What is tradition, what is somebody's opinion, and what is the Word of God. We need, to, we need to keep our focus on the Word. We need to stay full of His Word. And I say, that we need to, to have that in front of us. That is what is going to uh, make the cloudy things clear. It's going to sharpen and bring into focus truth. Focusing in the Word. Look at Ephesians 5, verse uh, 8. We'll we'll go back to verse 8. Ephesians 5, 8. I really want to get to 13, but we'll read through this. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Verse 13, All things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. It's the truth. The Word of God is truth. For whatever makes manifest is light. God's Word shines light on our situation. God's Word shines light on our path and allows us to see and be able to focus on the truth and what we need to be focused on. There's so much noise in the world from all sides, from every area. There's so much noise coming and there's a lot of people that are just so confused. They're so stressed. They're so fearful. Well, we look back to the example that uh, was in Hebrews that we started with. Those people, they had a very clear uh, word from God to go and do something specific, to go in. God said, I prepared a promised land for you, and when they looked at it, they they, they basically fell out because they were like, there's no way. I mean, we can't take that. Those are fortified cities. These people are huge. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. And, and they couldn't handle it. They were looking at the wrong thing. They didn't look at what God had said. They didn't look at the word of God. They didn't say, God, you said it, so it doesn't matter. We're going forward. And so they didn't enter into rest. They got freaked out. And they were panicked. Those those spies that came back had everybody in a panic saying, there's no way we can do it. We're going down. This is foolish. And they got everybody in a panic because they're looking at the wrong thing. They're not listening to the word of God. They're listening to the word of men and they're walking by sight. This is supposed to be an example for us. Joshua and Caleb stood up in the middle of everybody and said, God said it, so we can go. Let's go up right now and we can take it. But they didn't listen to them. That was the word of God. That was the voice of truth in the middle of the darkness. And they're so moved by emotion, they they shouted them down. They they wouldn't go in. And then when Moses said, none of you are going in. Now they said, now we're going to go up. They're not. They're not thinking. They're not. They're not on. They're not listening to the word of God. They're not believing what God said. They are walking purely by sight, and they are moved by emotion. Yes. Satan will try to whip you up with your emotions, yes. and if he gets you stirred up in your emotions, he can lead you so easy mm-hmm. and wreak havoc. When people get emotional, they get. It's just like, like. Uh, these Israelites, they're they're like, no, we can't, and it just spread like wildfire. Everybody was, no, we can't. That's what the Word of God's referring to. There was a rest they could have walked in. There was a rest they could have lived in. There was a promised land they could have been inhabiting, but they didn't listen to it. They took their eyes off the truth, and they looked at all the noise. And when you don't look at the truth, when you start looking at all the noise, you can get confused. You can start look you you start you 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 deceive yourself. You get you get into going around in circles when you listen to and there's so many sources in the world today. So many voices. So many opportunities to look at something else. So many opinions. So many things claiming to speak in the name of God. And, it, and it's so easy. To, if you look at things that aren't the truth, you start getting confused. The, the way to cut through all that is to get back focused on what God said, the Word. Like it says here, things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. When you start shining the light of God's Word on it, then it starts becoming clear. You put it up against the standard. It will cut through what is your head and your heart. If you get into your emotions, if you get to where you're thinking all the time, it it can become hard to determine what's your heart and what's your head, what's your soul, what's your spirit. But the Bible says the Word of God will cut through that and and will discern. It, It says that it will judge what is, what is your head and your heart? The Word can do that. If you look at the, the incorrect things or things that you think are right, you can start getting to where it's so much in your head that you, you, you honestly can't tell now. Well, that doesn't just come about just out of the blue. It comes from putting too much of the wrong thing in and it becomes cloudy. It's not clear anymore. The devil likes cloudy. He likes, you know, messy. He likes unclear because now he can push and nudge and he likes confusion, the Bible says. You know, where he's working, there's a strife and there's confusion in every evil work. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my feet to my path. Your Word its a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It shows me where I'm going and it makes it clear what's going on. Without the Word, if the Word is the lamp and the light, what if you don't have the Word? Then you're stumbling around. Somebody's opinion or philosophy is not the Word, and we have so many of those in the world. What people think. Well, let me give you what I think. Guys, we can't listen to what people think. We have to have the Word. Because situations change, opinions change, perceptions change, but the Word of God does not, and it is always true. It is solid. It's not somebody's opinion or what somebody said God said, or somebody's philosophy, see, those things can go up and down, but God's Word does not. It's easy for people's perception of of truth to change based on what's going on. Based on circumstance, then it's like, well, you know, I think maybe this means that, or, you know, they they, they start uh, having ideas, but if we just focus on the Word, it doesn't change. It will always be true when the dust settles. In the the Living Bible, that same verse, it says, Your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and keep me from stumbling. Well, that that lines up because you can't see. It's a matter of time before you stumble. If everything's dark, you know, if you get up in the middle of the night and try to walk across a room that has a bunch of stuff in it that you forgot was there. You know, you know the room well, well, and you could probably do it in the dark, but you forgot that you were doing something and you left something out, you may stumble. Has that ever happened to anybody? You know, you, too late by the time you figure out that you left something there because you're stepping on it. But if you had a light, that wouldn't have happened. Well, that's what, that's what this is talking about. God's Word is a light to our path. It leads us, I mean, it, it, His Word will lead us, but His Word lights our path so we can see what's coming. We can see when we're about to step the wrong place. We can see things that are trying to push on us that maybe, you know, Satan's got something that's a trap. How are you going to determine and illuminate those things? It's going to be with the Word of God and then by the Spirit of God leading you, but it's always going to be in line with the Word of God. We have to put the Word first place. You can't put being led above the Word. You get off every time. The Word of God, keep the Word of God first and then be led in line with the Word of God second. And you can't go wrong. Because God's Word is eternal and what He's quickening to you. If you're in the Word, then you're going to be familiar with the Spirit of God that leads you. The Word... As we put the Word into our life and and get it in front of us, we get familiar with it. And when we get familiar with it, it's going to be able to direct and guide our life. When When you read the Word and let the Word speak to you, you're getting familiar with the author of the book, of the Word. That's how you get to know the leading of the Holy Spirit. The same inward uh, leading that that illuminates the Word to you, when you're reading the Word and quickens you and shows you and it's like you're being taught, it's being quickened, it jumps off the page, that same leading is how you're led in things that aren't necessarily covered exactly in the Word. The principles are there, but they don't tell you to go move to this place. They don't tell you to lease this building. They don't tell you to have a partnership with this person. They don't tell you who to marry. The Word doesn't tell you those things. But the more familiar you are with the Word, and the more time you're spending in the Word of God, then you've already been fellowshipping with the author, and then you're supposed to uh, be familiar with that leading The same leading that's going to quicken that word off the page to you is the same one that's going to say, go make this decision. But we put the word first. Psalm uh, Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's what they had then. Now you could say, is in the word of the Lord, is in the word of God. His delight is in the word of the Lord, or the law of the Lord, and his, in his law, or you could say now, in the New Covenant, in his word, he meditates day and night. That means you're looking at the word, you're thinking about that. You're letting that dictate your thoughts, That's going to cut through and determine what's your thoughts and what's your heart. It says, he, this person that, that does that, meditates on the word, delights in the word. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. But notice how that started. He, this person was not in the council of the ungodly. And we have to be very, very careful because people will say, Well, I'm not in the council of the ungodly. Are you sure? Is it tainted? Where did the ideas come from if it's not the word? Because there's so much noise, like we said that people don't realize they're looking at something, they've accepted it as true, but it's actually tainted. It doesn't look like it's off, but it's off, and now that confuses the mind, and it confuses you when you look at the word because you know something's not quite right, but you've accepted one thing as truth that's not really truth, and then you put it up against the real truth, and it creates this confusion. Well, this is right, but this is what the Word says, but you're not even conscious of it. It's actually confusing you. And then you're confused in your heart. You don't know. You're thinking, you're trying to take something as truth when it's not, and the spirit of truth is not going to line up with that other thing that's not really the truth. And that's why people get confused. They think, well, I, I thought this, and it's something they accepted, but it's not the Word. The Word will cut through it and say, this is true. This, although it looks good, 80% of it may be good. I mean, if you're 80% right, 20% can corrupt the whole thing. 1% could corrupt the whole thing. If you accept it as completely true. Philosophies, ideas, approaches. If you take it all and say, well, it's mostly good. That depends on what you're talking about. Are you just going to use the 80? Are you using the whole thing holistically? If it's 1% wrong, could blow you up in a little bit. Because you're thinking it's all true. If you actually understand what's completely uh, true and not, you can completely separate it uh, and use part of it well, you'd have to, to know that. You'd have to have some standard to figure that out. But that's not what a lot of people are doing anyway. They take things that they think are true, that aren't the Word, and they start implementing them. And they don't line up with the Word, and they're they not around the Word enough to know that it's not right. So many people are looking at opinions about the Word instead of just reading the Word. When you're reading the Word, you're getting familiar with the author of the Word, and you're getting more solid. You won't be deceived, as easy. But this says that the person that is not in the counsel of things that are godless, but delights himself in God's Word, uh, meditates on God's Word, then this is going to happen. He's going to be like a tree that just is always producing. Well, the Word always produces. The Word is God's truth. It is truth. It's God's way. And so if we look at that, then we can be at rest in the middle of, like this says, even, you know, the the leaf won't wither. It doesn't matter what's going on. Whatever you do will prosper. It, it, It doesn't matter. There's another verse of Scripture that talks about even when there's heat. Even when it looks like things should be withering, if you got the right foundation, then you prosper. We need to give the word primary importance, first place. Not second. Not third. Not when everything else gets done. Now, we're not talking about scheduling here. You know, if you like to read at night, Then read at night. If you like to do it first thing in the morning, then do it first thing in the morning. If it works for you to do it in the middle of the day, do that. That's not, you know, some people try to make a doctrine out of doing it first thing in the morning or doing it at night. The Bible doesn't say that and everybody's different. The, the, The important thing is it's number one in your priority list. That means if nothing else in the day gets done, that gets done. And don't get legalistic either. We're talking about a general approach that you put the Word, and not just not just legalistically, ritualistically, reading the Word, but in your decisions, what does the Word say? Not what does so-and-so say, this person say, this person's podcast say, what does the Word say? And when we do that, we are going to be solid. We're going to be more and more solid to where the more familiar we are with the Word, the more we're around it. Somebody likened it to this. And, you know, I don't... What they, what they were saying was uh, the way that you train the people that handled money and they were talking about counterfeiting, the people that, the way you train somebody to recognize a counterfeit bill is not to look at all counterfeits because you could have any kind of number of counterfeits. If you try to look at all the false, that's impossible because there, people could have in any number of ways something could be false. You train them by looking at and handling the real. The more you handle the real, then when you handle something that's false, you know it. And that's the same way with the Word of God. The more you're around it, the more you're fellowshipping with the Word of Truth. The more you're fellowshipping with the Spirit of Truth. Then when something comes up that's an idea or suggestion about God or about a situation, something's going And on the inside of you saying, not right, something's off. So you don't, you may not put your finger on it, but you know, it's not the same as when I'm around the word and I'm, and, and I'm, I'm working with God and he's leading me. This is different. I don't know exactly how it's, it's different. And the more, you know, you'll just recognize it's wrong. And you just, you stop. That's not right. And you may not. You don't have to know it right away. What you have to know is that's not right, and God will illuminate you on what you need to know about it not being right. But you can you can know something's not right and stop without knowing all the details, because the more familiar you are with God's Spirit, now He can check you, because you know, you know that impression. I would I use the term voice. It's not an audible voice, but on the inside. the the impression of God leading you. You're going to be familiar with it. And so that will cut through so much uh, that isn't true. Don't, Don't look at other things at the expense of being around reading the Word and the teaching of the Word, especially in the church that you're hooked up with. In other words, don't say, well, you know, I'm going here and now I'm going to slot this other thing in, this other opinion, whatever, at the expense of getting what you need. You're reading the Word and you're being under the teaching of the Word where God has hooked you up. Anything else should be now beyond and, and past those things then you'll be strong and secure. Then you'll be getting everything God uh, has ordained and, and, and set up for you to get. Because sometimes what people do is they go after the bright and shiny. You know, it's like our diet. If, you know, you can have dessert, maybe, if you ate the good stuff. If you start getting to the point where I'm just going to go straight to the dessert, but I don't even eat the other stuff. I mean, if you invert it, okay, you know, you're an adult, you decide to eat the cookies first because they taste so good when you're hungry, and they do. Sometimes you don't want to eat the real meal, though, is the problem. And what it does is it it makes you actually hungry for more cookies instead of the real, right? Well, that's the same thing spiritually you know if if we if we're covering our bases then then we can then you can put something else but you got to be careful then what you put in right well i ate my meal so now i can just what eat anything no i got to be careful what i'm eating and can't eat too much of it and it's the same thing spiritually but if we'll focus on the word and get to know the word and get to know the spirit of god that inspired the Word. John 16, 12 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Well, how are you going to know that? You're going to have to be, you're going to have to be uh, familiar with God's leading. You're going to have to be familiar with what the Word of God says. You're going to have to be familiar with what is His Word and what, and what is not His Word. And don't get caught up thinking you have to memorize all Scripture either. I'm not talking about that. You're familiar. It'd be like, you know, you know a person. It doesn't mean you memorize every quote of what they said, but you know if, if somebody, you know, let's say it's your spouse or your best friend, if you know them, if somebody else tried to tell you something that they said and it was not in their character or not at all, you would say they didn't say that. You don't have to quote. You don't have to know every quote and be able to quote verbatim what your spouse or your, your, your friend would say. You just know what they'll say. Now, that's not to say you can't memorize Scripture or get that in you. That's not a bad thing. But if the more you're around the Word, the more stu- when somebody says something, you'll be like, That doesn't line up with everything else I've heard him say. That's not right. There's something off about that. Can't put my finger on it, but I'm backing off of that. Let's look quickly at Matthew 4, verse 1. This is Jesus, and um, notice what this says. This is an interaction with the the devil while jesus was on earth verse one says then jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil just look at that sentence i don't want to get into it but look at that sentence then jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil now if you weren't looking at that in black and white and somebody told you that was in the bible you may question that if you didn't know The Spirit of God led Jesus to be tempted by the devil. It's the Bible. Verse 2, And and when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, the devil, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now Satan introduced an idea to Jesus. Well, if you're the Son of God, why don't you just prove it? And Jesus came back and countered that in this way. He said, but he answered and said, it is written. See, he knew the word and he knew what Satan was saying, though was trying to deceive him, trying to get him to fall into a trap. He knew it was wrong and he was able to counter it because of the truth of the word. It says man he said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 5 then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of God throw yourself down for it is written. Now Satan's using scripture. Now he's trying to use scripture to ensnare Jesus. And Satan will do that. That's why we need to understand and be familiar with the Word so, because Satan will try to come to you with a lying religious idea and he'll quote Scripture to you. And you know that's true because the people that believe that stuff, people believe all kinds of things that are false and they believe it's in the Bible. Satan twists Scripture. And so if you have to interpret the Bible by the Bible and no, interpret Scripture by Scripture... And if a scripture contradicts something else in the Bible, you know it's wrong. Satan's using this, but he's using it incorrectly. And if you don't know any better, Satan will always try to push on your ignorance and, and quote something that's a lie, and he'll use scripture to do it in some cases, and he'll say, yeah, but this, he knows it's wrong, but he knows if you, you don't know it's wrong. He might bring something up from your past. I remember I came out, uh, you know, my parents were born and raised in a certain denomination, and I heard certain ideas growing up. Uh, you know, um, I was born again at an early age, but that was the background. So I, I had heard certain things, and I knew there were certain things that were just remnants of that, that even though we weren't involved with that denomination anymore, it, it, still, it still reverberated, the, the, the things that weren't true. And I, I remember I had heard certain things that, I know are wrong, especially, you know, now, but I would be reading the Bible and I knew there were certain things that this church would, would, would uh, use in the Bible to, to uh, teach things that they called true. And when I would read them, come across them in the Bible, there would be this push on me just like, see, that's really true, see, and... and it was, it was out of context. It was being misused. But it would, thoughts would try to hit me that, no, see, that's true. And basically, how are you going to counter that? And I had to push back on that over time with knowledge of the Word. The more familiar I got, see, it would really, it would really push on me. It would, it, would, it would be this heaviness. I'd be reading it, and it'd be like, see, that's true. And I, knew, I, I, I didn't believe it was true anymore, but it was like, well, maybe it's true. Maybe that's really true, and what you're believing is wrong. It's a head game. Satan, if he can get you over there, just like he's trying to do with Jesus, he'll try to get you swirling with your head. And it would bug me when I would hit those scriptures. But the more knowledge of the word I got, and the further I got, I would get to where I knew what countered that. And so, I can tell you none of those things bother me in the least when I read them now because I know the truth. I don't even think about it. I haven't thought about it for years. But there was a time, every time, he would come and push. And, well, what about that? That's what they taught. How do you know that's not true? Oh, you have this one scripture. But, and it's, it's, a, it's a tactic. So the, the devil is challenging him with Scripture. Said to him, If you are the Son of God, so he said, verse 5, Then the devil took him up on the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He's lying. But he's he's telling a half-truth. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, It is written again, see, another place, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. See, the way Satan used the scripture was wrong. Verse 8, and again, the devil took him on, the, on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. See, he's, he, he knows the word. You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So Satan came to him with different angles, and and Jesus was able to say, no, it's written. Now, I don't want you to get caught up. It's good to know Scripture. I mean, Jesus could just come back like this. It's good, but don't get legalistic about because what Satan will tell you is, well, you don't know enough. There's no way you can deal. You just you won't be able to to battle back. The Bible says that uh, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Satan. If you know the word, you will always have, I mean, if, if you fellowship with God and you're doing what you know to do where you're at, you will always have what you need to escape the situation and to get out of it. The more you know, the better off you'll be. But don't let Satan lie to you and say, well, you're, 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 you don't know enough. No, you will, you, the more you know and the more familiar you are, the better you're going to be. But this is really a different sermon, but I just wanted to say this. The Bible says you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear, but, the, but with the temptation, God will make a way of escape so that you'll be able to bear it. That doesn't mean God's putting some on you, something on you, but it means if it's in front of you, the challenge is in front of you, you can overcome it. You'll always be able to overcome it. And then look at it, the same, that, uh, Luke 4.13, it's the same, uh, just another account of what was happening that last, when the devil left him. Notice how it says this. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Satan left, but it says he'll come back. It'd be nice if he just never came back. So we need to stay hooked up with God, stay focused on the Word, be sure we are focused on that. Because you can be strong today. But if you just say, ah, it doesn't matter, I'm strong enough, so now I can start looking at all these things. I can start, you know, well, what are people saying about this and that? You start just pumping yourself full of other stuff. It, at some point, the Word is going to get diluted. Your mind starts getting confused, and now... Satan comes back with something at a more opportune time. We need to put the Word first, focus on the Word of God in order to go forward with what He has given us to do. Doesn't matter the circumstance, doesn't matter the situation, we can enter His rest and walk in His ways, but we need to look at what He said and keep that first. Amen.